You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third down, inches to go. Debater. 17 to 14. Cowboys on his front. Star begins to count. Take the snap. Live from the Packernet Podcast Studios, this is Packers Total Access. Welcome in, guys. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. This is the uh, one of the flagship shows for Packernet Podcast, and we're going to be running down news and notes from the Green Bay Packers as well as the rest of the NFL. And uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of the NFL a, a little later in this show, uh, but as always, we want to kind of kick off with, uh, with Packer news. That way you guys can kind of get your feel for that on the front side of the show, and you'll know when we shift gears into the NFL talk, um, you'll know, okay, it's time to cut it off, or if you want to hang out, we would love to have you hang around and, and get that information as well. So let's just dive right into it. The big news today, um, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of been a slow news cycle for the last few days as far as the Packers are, are concerned, but Brian Gutekunst actually just spoke to uh, to the media at the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. And we got a, a couple quotes here just to kind of give you an idea of where he's coming from. Now, understand, <clears throat> when it comes to the first day of the Scouting Combine, not a lot going on, right? It's more or less an introductory press conference. And they're going to get peppered with questions that have maybe carried over from the previous year, that type of thing. And that's exactly what happened uh, today with Brian Gutekunst. Uh, you know, he was asked several questions about Aaron Rodgers, kind of asked about a, a few other players like Rasul Douglas, uh, folks like that, um, which I'll just go ahead and knock that off the list here. <clears throat> Rasul Douglas, when, when asked about him, both him and Devondre Campbell, um, especially Rasul Douglas, he said, man, we would love to have him back. Obviously, he wants both of those guys back. They played lights out. And I'm going to talk about kind of how Devondre Campbell uh, graded out as well as a couple other pieces on defense later on the show here. But um, the thing that he said was, uh, yeah, we we obviously want him back. Rasul was on the record saying, hey, man, I want to be a Packer. And uh, and obviously they've been in contract negotiations. It would it would be awesome to see uh, both of those go both of those guys back in in the green and gold next year. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But when asked about Aaron Rodgers, obviously um, everybody was kind of expecting Aaron to go on to the Pat McAfee show with Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays uh, being kind of a theme all year long. He was on there last week, so obviously uh, everybody in the Twitterverse decided for themselves that Aaron was going to be on the show. And it's funny as soon as Pat yesterday highlighted that Twitter informed him that Aaron Rodgers was going to be on his show. I knew he wasn't going to be on the show. Now, I tried to wait a little bit before we cut this audio for this uh, this show here, this podcast, because we wanted to make sure that he wasn't on there and we didn't miss anything. That's the whole purpose of the show, guys. You know, we got Ryan leading off, you know, hitting in the leadoff spot in the mornings, kind of giving you the traditional Packer Net podcast. And then in the afternoon, we want to kind of give you news notes and updates as the day goes on. So with that being said, Aaron was not on the Pat McAfee show. 
I would not be surprised with just the way that that whole show operates that maybe Aaron was scheduled to be on. And as soon as people said, oh, you know, the the fake news, you know, it spreads into Twitter as well. Um, you had somebody on Twitter tweet out that my sources tell me Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the Pat McAfee show tomorrow. I can see them both being like, you know what, let's just flip it upside upside down. Let's let's rub their nose in it and and not have you come on. So, but regardless, Aaron wasn't on there, so no news there. But when Brian Gutekunst was asked at the press conference just a second ago, um, he said once the team figures out the situation with Aaron Rodgers, other moves will follow pretty quickly, right? Um, he said he expects that decision to be made by March 16th. Obviously, that's what we've been saying all along. That's when free agency begins. Um, I think it's going to happen a little sooner than that. I've said that from the beginning. I could be wrong. Maybe they run it up to the deadline. But uh, I really, really expect that to be done by March 16th. And it's funny because earlier today, during the media coverage for NFL Network, um, Ian Rappaport actually mentioned that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are in contract negotiations for what he referred to as a short-term contract. I don't know what that means. I don't even know if it's uh, believable. I don't know if it's you know it has any merit to it, carries any weight. Um, when you say short-term, though, that does kind of get me a little bit excited. Like, okay, maybe Aaron did work out something where, look, I, I'm really, really pondering retirement. Let's just do a two- or a three-year deal, and maybe he is willing to take less money like we had talked about in a previous show. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, you know, spec, you know, speculating there. But uh, the fact that it's got to be done by March 16th, Ian Rappaport says in, in his interview that they're in, in contract negotiations with a, quote, short-term contract – tells me something's probably going to get done fairly, fairly quickly. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, well, what about Devontae Adams, right? How's, how does this play into the Devontae Adams situation? Brian Gutekunst has played this absolutely perfectly. You know, we all assumed with the last dance social media post that, that happened last year, this this last, you know, season, training camp, whenever it was, you know, it, it, for those of you who don't know, I'll get you back up to speed. Basically, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers both put out an Instagram post of The Last Dance. It was a screen grab from the documentary The Last Dance. Obviously, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance documentary was about him and his final season there with the Chicago Bulls and how they kind of blew it up and, and moved forward without Jordan, which we all know, the way that Jordan handled that, stepping away from basketball, coming back, you know, with the death of his father, this and that, um, that's a story that we don't have time to completely cover, nor should we on a football podcast. But it was kind of this cryptic Instagram post saying, this is our last dance. This is, this is the last year we're going to be here. Now, that can be taken a number of different ways. Does that mean that that's the last time they're going to be together? Does that mean that's the last time they're going to be in Green Bay and they're both going elsewhere? I think the majority of people thought that's what was going to happen, that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were going to leave together, go somewhere else and play. Lo and behold, Nathaniel Hackett gets hired in Denver, and everybody's saying, there it is, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver. I don't think none of that's true, to be honest with you. I really don't. I And and Brian Gutekunst hit the nail on the head, and, and my point is he's handled this perfectly. He's mended that friendship, that relationship, that working, that good working environment with Aaron Rodgers to the point where Aaron has gave him name drops, shout outs, that Brian's done a great job communicating with him and they really worked together this year and and that's what he wanted was input, which I'll be honest with you, 
that's like when when the story first broke and how the media covered it, I was kind of like, man, screw Aaron Rodgers. Dude, you want to be a baby? Like, you want to be GM too? Like, just focus on doing your job. That was my initial response. But then after it was laid out, it's like, this is one of the most intelligent quarterbacks to ever play the game. Why would we not want his input on certain aspects of the roster, right? And I don't think Brian Gutekunst ever looked at it like, I don't need his help. I think that just like Mark Murphy mentioned when they hired Matt LaFleur and how they went through the hiring process and restructured the front office in the sense that it's a, it's kind of a, a three and a, I say a three and a half headed monster because Russ Ball's a part of it as well, but it's basically Mark Murphy handling the business, uh, Brian Gutekunst handling the roster, and Matt LaFleur handling the, uh, the coaching, right, and the staff. And they all come together and meet on a regular basis to make sure they're lockstep. In the past, there have been silos that have kind of prevented the head coach, Mike McCarthy, and the general manager from communicating on a regular basis. I'm not here to say whose fault that was or to point the finger at someone or cast blame, but that's definitely not a good working environment, that's for sure. Um, so with that being said, what Brian Gutekind said, which I thought was brilliant, was he said, quote, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers' contract situations are not connected. Now, if you'll remember, this got swept under the rug big time by the media. Earlier in the year, they asked Devontae Adams in a press conference. They said, are you willing to take less money to play with Aaron Rodgers? And before they could get Rodgers out of their mouth, he said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Which tells me the guy knows this is his last contract. And I really think that Ryan done an excellent job kind of talking about this and, uh, and going in depth on the previous, uh, yeah, I think it was two days ago on the Packernet podcast when he said that, uh, Devontae Adams, I think he realizes this is his last contract, guys. The guy, let's say he gets a five year deal. He's going to be 35 years old. He may get a six year deal. Who, who knows? Let's say it's a three year deal. At 33 years old, outside of Jerry Rice, what wide receivers have been, uh, you know, somewhat effective, um, you know, at that age, right? I mean, you've got your Larry Fitzgeralds that's played for an extended period of time, but let's let's be honest, he was not even close to being the same player that he was. Great locker room guy, great team leader, all those things. You want that kind of that iconic presence in your locker room, especially when they come with a mature, uh, you know, hardworking, good work ethic. That type of approach, you know, it's good for the locker room. But Devontae Adams, and this is what Ryan hit on, he, he, I think he understands this is his last contract. He's going to try to break the bank. And, and you know what? More power to him. The guy was arguably the best wide receiver in the game the last however many years. You know, last year, I don't know. I, I'm kind of subscribed to the Mike McCarthy uh, uh, opinion where he said there's, there's really there's, there's good players and there's great players in the league. There's no bad players in the NFL, guys. It's easy to see someone have a bad season and go, man, he sucks at football. If he sucks at football, then how did he excel to the level of making it to the National Football League? I think a lot of players get put in the perfect situation to really, really thrive, and I think that's what McCarthy was saying with that with that comment before. But the fact that Brian Gutekinds acknowledged that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers' contract situations are not connected, that's why I say Brian Gutekinds has handled this perfectly. He's going to franchise tag uh, Devontae Adams if they don't get a deal done. And it's going to be, the ball's going to be in Devontae's court. Now Devontae, like Ryan pointed out so perfectly on the podcast a couple of days ago, now he's got to weigh out the risk. Okay, the CBA 
It's collectively bargained by the union and the owners that I am not allowed to sit out. You can do hold-ins. You can create a distraction. I don't think Devontae's that type of person. I think he's a class act type of guy. Um, he proved that with the Zach Stacy incident earlier in the year, how he spoke out and, and just knowing, you know, the kind of parents he had, his dad being someone who laid his life on the line to protect uh, you know, citizens on a daily basis being in uh, law enforcement and, and just the way he speaks, the way he responds to things. Um, I don't think he's that type of person. But Gutekunst knows that if he does franchise tag him, he's going to be forced to play. And now all of a sudden that, like Ryan said, what if it's a $100 million deal? Yes, it's not $25, $35 million a year. But it's like, wow, am I going to risk everything to go out here and get hurt and potentially have a, God forbid, a horrible knee injury or something that's back-related or neck or whatever, and I'm not the same player and I miss out on that big deal. It might be better just to go ahead and take this money. And Gudikins is doing it in a way that he's not being rude. He's doing it in a way that we want Devontae here. And he said that we're in constant communication with Devontae's camp on a contract. He's He wants to get it done, but at the same time, he knows. He's got all the leverage. Guess who has all the leverage with the Aaron Rodgers situation? It cracked me up last year. Everybody in the media said that they came to an agreement that Aaron Rodgers would be traded next year. Y'all remember that? Now, get closer to the year, it's all of a sudden that kind of shifted and morphed and changed into they have an agreement that if he's not happy after this year, then he's going to be able to pick where he wants to play. Then it changed into, at the end of the year, they're going to reassess the situation, and if Aaron's not happy, then they'll make a decision together. You see how everything completely changed? The narrative completely changed as the year went on. I just think that's hilarious. So um, he's played that situation perfectly. So now Aaron's being forced to look at his contract and go with the, the huge cap hit that's really hindering the club here. It comes down to do I want to play football or not, and if I do, then we're going to have to restructure and get my buddy Tay back in here and and let all the other pieces fall into place. But Gudikins did say in the press conference that we have a plan both ways. You know, he also mentioned a three-year window. They look at everything in three-year windows. So that was kind of an interesting quote there as well. What it tells me is they they've got Plan A and Plan B. I love the dude. I think he's a great GM. Excuse me, I think he's done an excellent job. Love the way he handled the press conference, just deflecting the questions, answering them, but not giving any any kind of ammo or animosity towards Aaron or Tay or Devondre or Rasul or anyone else. Um, there's only so much money to go around. And uh, he he did say this gave me uh, put a little grin on my face. He he you know we talk about all the contract negotiation that's been going on, the restructures, the free up cap room, and we're down to I think we're still 28 million over the cap. He said, "quote There's a few more moves to help with the cap." So he's got some other things up his sleeve. Um, I love the fact that they're waiting. I know as a fan, it kind of sucks to have to wait until the last second to see this stuff fall into place. But the longer he waits. <clears throat> the more leverage he has, and that's just a fact. So, um, you know, the key to negotiating business or anything in life is getting what you want while convincing the other person, the other party, the other whatever, that they got what they wanted. That's not lying to them to make them think they got it. It's you've got to help them, you've got to help convince them that, look, this is what's best for you too. And if you can't find an agreement, then you just move on. But right now, man, he's played his cards perfectly. Think about if we franchise tag Devontae this year and he plays, right? 
and he balls out. Guess what? We could franchise him again next year. I'm not saying that's the ideal scenario. I don't think it is. I don't think that's what the Packers want because that then really limits what they can do to manipulate the salary cap and free up more uh, more opportunities to bolster the roster. But he's he's got himself in a perfect spot. Aaron's Aaron's under contract this year. Tay can be franchised or extended this year, and you know. Worst case scenario, if Aaron doesn't re-up, you franchise tag him next year. There's just a lot of things you can do. Um, so I like I like her position. I say all that because the media made it sound like Aaron had all the leverage, and the whole time I was just shaking my head going, no, he does not. No, he does not. The Packers have protected themselves and their assets so at such a high level. And the media, I think they know it. I, they're not that stupid. But they know that if they can create this other narrative or at least spin it just enough, that's going to create a little bit of friction and therefore that's going to get more clicks, uh, more views, more whatever. You know, that's just how they operate and more power to them. I'm not trying, I'm not here to bash the media. I just, it's funny to see how the narrative has constantly changed. But one thing is for sure. And, and I know Ryan and I agree on this. Um, there was, a problem in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and the front office. It's pretty obvious. Yet there were some Packer fans that said, oh, it's all a lie. It wasn't a lie. Um, you know, there there was some friction there. And uh, this is just kind of, man, how how interesting, how amazing it's been, how this has all played out. And, and there was one side of the camp that really stuck to their guns, kept their mouth shut, and just kept doing business as usual, and that was the Green Bay Packers. So I think they've handled it great. Um, so that's kind of an update from, <clears throat> excuse me, Brian Gutekinds' press conference. I believe Matt LaFleur set to speak here shortly. Um, we're not going to wait around on that. I waited long enough. I wanted to get some of Goody's comments on uh, on what's going on going into the combine here in the first day. So let's move on to some other Packers news real quick. Green Bay, this is this is exciting news for me. Um, I've always thought it would be cool to go to Green Bay for the NFL draft. And I'm not talking about the NFL draft being in Green Bay. I mean, what if I went up and, and caught a couple draft parties at, at Kroll's West or you know, Stadium View or, uh, you know, Stadium View Bar and Grill or even, you know, 1919 Kitchen and Taps, hang out at the atrium. I think they do a huge draft party in the atrium pre-COVID, which we all know the restrictions are being lifted now. Thank God we beat COVID, right? Give yourselves a hand. Thank you for wearing your masks and playing along and all that good stuff. But um, I always thought it'd be cool to go up there for the NFL draft. I may do that this year. Um, I was actually going to reach out to Ryan and see what his plans were. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, we won't get into all that right now. Um, the reason I bring it up is now it's saying that Green Bay is one of three cities that are three finalists to host the 2024 NFL Draft. Um, if you had told me that um, ten years ago, even seven years ago, I'd go, man, that's not the city to do it. But since they have bolstered the Titletown District, what an environment that would be. I mean, I don't know if they would use Lambeau Field, the actual field. Now, it's still cold up there in April, but you are talking about late April. You could luck up and get some decent weather. But uh, you could use Lambeau Field. You could use the atrium. You could use the Titletown District, the huge football field they have there. When I was up there in November, they're completing this office space that sits behind the football field at Titletown. And... Uh, that looked really, really cool. There's like a stage area up there. There's a lot of things they could do. But 
Nonetheless, Green Bay is one of three finalists to host the 2024 draft, so that's something to kind of keep your eye on as a Packer fan moving forward. Um, something else that, that happened yesterday <clears throat> that I thought was really, really cool, um, and it got mixed feelings from different fan bases, but um, I thought it was really, really neat, uh, was the Packers, uh, it was announced the Packers are going to make their European debut as they're set to play their first game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in England. And this is going to be really cool. So the Packers are going international. Immediately, you get two sides, right? And one side is, I don't want to forfeit a home game at Lambeau Field to go international. Who cares? Let's, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get that. Believe me, every Sunday, I want the game to be played at Lambeau Field. I, I absolutely love Lambeau Field. It's the greatest stadium in the history of sports. That's my... My opinion, um, you can be wrong if you want to, but um, it is the greatest stadium uh, in, in the history of sports. But the fact that there are so many international Green Bay Packer fans, so many Packer fans in Europe, and they're going to get to see the Green Bay Packers up close and personal, man. I'm grinning ear to ear because that's that's like a, a dream come true for some of those people, man. They don't, they don't have the financial means or the time to travel across the pond to, to come to Lambeau. And the fact that the Packers are going to go there and they're going to get to see them up close and personal, I just think that's really, really cool. I immediately, uh, I've got a buddy who lives in Scotland, and he's a big 49ers fan. I don't hold that against him. <laughs> but he... Uh, Super, super good dude, man. Uh, what a great friendship we've created. Got a lot of things in common. Um, he's a, he's a family man. He's got, got a couple kids. I don't have any kids, but I'm big on family, big on friends and, uh, and, you know, taking care of one another. And I've seen him battle through some, some tough stuff. We actually met online gaming and one of those stories that he just kind of developed a friendship and he reached out to me for some advice when he was going through some alcohol addiction. And, uh, I, you know, with my background, I was actually raised kind of rough. I was born in a biker family. Um, I, you know, lost my mother to, uh, to an overdose, um, here last year. Um, it was something she was still battling. Um, I won't get into all the details, but we connected in that regard. I wasn't someone who was going to judge him, you know, and he asked me some faith based questions and I won't, share all that on this podcast but we just really really connected he's now been sober for two years and his brother's a big packer fan and he immediately messaged me and was like mate that's how he talks right i ain't gonna try to do the you know i speak english on a third grade level with a redneck accent i'm definitely not going to try to to fake a british accent but he uh he or a Scottish accent or whatever you want to call it, but his uh, his brother's fired up as a Packer fan that he's going to get to watch the Packers up close and personal. So I think that stuff's important, man. I really do. You're building your brand. If we want the Packers to succeed, then we want the financials to become more and more and more stable as uh, as the years go on, and that's what this European trip European trip means. You know how many fans they're going to win over? People that might not have a favorite NFL team. And then lo and behold, they see the Packers, they go, that's, that's it. I'm going to root for the Packers from here on out. Now they're buying merch, they're buying, you know, whatever, who knows, they might pay to make the trip over and see Lambeau. There's just a lot of good things that can come from it. So I understand we're not getting an extra game at Lambeau, but at the same time, man, uh, let's build that brand. You know what I mean? And let's give those fans what they deserve over there. We know what's going on, going on in Europe right now. And, uh, you know, it's easy to just say it's, it's, it's only, zeroed around Ukraine, but to be honest with you, when he reached out to me this uh, earlier 
earlier yesterday morning, um, our time, he was scared, man. He was like, gosh, dude, we, you know, the way that we're planning here is like anything could pop off at any second. And they are just a, uh, what seems like a stone's throw away from, uh, from that area, that part of the country, um, where, you know, something catastrophical could happen if, uh, if Russia decided to attack. But, uh, this isn't a, this obviously isn't a, uh, uh, you know, history or a war, uh, you know, war history podcast. It's just those people are going through a lot of stuff over there, man. I'm excited for them that the Packers are going to get to travel over there and they're going to, they're going to get to see them play. So that was cool news. I thought another thing that came out, this was, this was so, um, how do you say it? So nonchalant, but it's, it takes somebody like JJ Leahy to, to really catch on to this. And when I seen the tweet, I went, Oh, wow, that's interesting. But JJ really highlighted it and opened a lot of people's eyes to it. But Alan Lazard, as we know, is not under contract, but he said in a tweet, we're going to London, right? Oh, really? We're going to London. So, so you are going to play for the Packers this year. I thought that was very telling, which it, it tells me that he's at least very, very confident that whatever negotiations are going on behind the scenes, he's going to re-sign as a Packer. Um, guys, if I, if I read the tweet correctly, um, Alan Lazard has the highest grade when targeted in the last year of football. This guy is a solid wide receiver. He's an excellent blocker. He's a great locker room guy. Aaron absolutely loves him. He's a big body receiver. He can win a jump ball or two if it comes to that. Um, he just seems like a, a really, really good, what you would want um, as a leader on the Green Bay Packers. Um, is he a superstar Terrell Owens? Absolutely not. But i be honest with you, I, don't, I, I need less superstars and more great unselfish players. And that's what Alan Zard is. But I thought it was cool that J.J. Leahy caught on to that tweet and pointed out, you know, that's a good sign of him re-upping with the Packers. I think it's important. So um, that's kind of the news and notes. Uh, like I said, it's been, it's been a slow couple days, but that's your Green Bay Packers news and notes. I did want to touch on a few PFF grades. I'm a PFF fan. I know Ryan is. Um, I know that there's instantly somebody's listening to this podcast going, oh, PFF doesn't mean anything. Oh, I don't. Okay, that's your opinion. That's cool. I'm with Ryan. Find me a better grading system, and I would love to check it out. It, you can't just say that grading system's garbage, but you don't have anything to present to the table to go, this is how you can really tell if a player's good or bad. But um, with PFF, one thing I did notice last year, I was very, very aware of during the season when the Packers would openly talk about, they would make comments like, Russell Douglas was our uh, top-graded player, right? He was, the, he was the player that graded out the highest on our team this year, right? You could, you could hear them say stuff like that, and I would immediately go over and check out PFF and, and say, okay, um, what did PFF have, right? What did PFF say? And lo and behold, every time the Packers mentioned a player, the grade was extremely high on PFF. So it kind of went hand in hand. The system is designed to grade players how NFL coaches in front offices grade players. You understand that, right? It's not just a, well, he led an interception, so he's the best defensive back in, in the league. It doesn't work like that. It's not the... Well, he was targeted the least, even though he played the most snaps, which means he's the the most respected. That makes him the best. Now, each play has a grade, and in most cases, teams use a ten point grading system. And then at the end of that, 
they come up with an overall grade, and that tells the players, here's how you grade it out in our coaches' minds, right? So our defense was very, very solid there last year. You know, I mean, it, it's something that's improved over the last couple of years, I feel like. And I just wanted to point out the key cogs of that defense. I'm a, I'm a guy who's very simple. When I look at business or anything else in life, I look at it from a standpoint of what do I want my strengths to be? You know, I always talk about when I, when I talk to small groups about building a business team, talk about building from the core. You want a handful of people that completely buy into what it is you're trying to accomplish as an organization, right? And that you want to build around them. Well, when it comes to a good defense, to me, the most important position on the field is the position that's closest to the ball every single snap. And that's nose tackle. That's defensive tackle. So let's look at Kenny Clark. PFF grade 74.9. That is solid. That is a, I say solid. It's not actually solid. You know, PFF uses, you know, catchphrases like average, above average, solid, you know, great, whatever. Um, I'm just saying that is a really, really good PFF grade. So a 74.9 at the nose tackle position. What's my second most important position? Personally, I think that it's middle linebacker. That's just, you know, I know the Packers have not viewed it that way, or at least their, their, you know, drafting style and free agent style of, of spending money in free agency hasn't shown that. But I feel like middle linebacker will be the next more, most important position. And then from there, I think safety. And it could be strong safety or free safety. I personally think that whatever safety is rolling in and out of the box is probably more important than the safety who's just covering deep, although Playing center field, you know, is very, very important when it comes to football. That player that's going to be playing between the hashes, you know, deep down the field, the last line of defense, that's very important as well. But you want a safety that can do multiple things. But Devondre Campbell at middle linebacker, 85.8 PFF grade. Unbelievable. I say unbelievable because I've been a Packer fan for a long time, and we have never seen middle linebacker played the way that Devondre Campbell played it. Maybe it could have been a perfect scheme fit. This is a good example of that Mike McCarthy quote, right, where there's no bad players. There's good and great players. And sometimes great players are put in the perfect position to thrive. That's exactly what happened with Devondre Campbell, 85.8. Next, at safety, Adrian Amos, 74.7, almost an absolute mirror of the same great Kenny Clark got. So what you had in that defense was straight down the center of the field, starting at nose tackle 74.9, middle linebacker 85.8, safety 74.7. That's huge. Those three guys, we need those guys back. I feel like Devondre Campbell should be a priority for the Green Bay Packers. I personally believe, a lot of people may disagree, Devondre Campbell is more important this offseason to get him under contract than Devontae Adams' extension. That's just me personally. I would rather franchise tag it, let him stick his thumb in his mouth, wait it out, then get him in later in camp and let him perform um, and have Devondre Campbell under contract than to just throw the book at Devontae Adams, me personally. I would love to see him get a deal done, do it in a way that we can maneuver money later since we're going with this all-in, kick-the-can-down-the-road type philosophy. But at the same time, Devondre Campbell would be a huge, huge addition that's another thing to think about. What if Devontae Adams does get a contract extension, they backload it with voided years, and somehow if they don't reach an agreement with Devontae Campbell, they franchise tag him. 
That's a player, in my opinion, that's worth the franchise tag. The franchise tag is set to, to pay the average of that player, at, uh, the, the top players at that position, right? He was pretty much the top player at middle linebacker last year in the entire NFL. I think that's money well spent. That's just my opinion. So I thought it was cool to kind of point that out on defense. Um, kind of a slow news cycle week. Why not point out those PFF grades, kind of see what caused us to have a good year? You know, the fact that we didn't have Jair, the fact that we didn't have Zedarius, um, and we still performed the way that we did, I think it, it's very, very telling, the fact that these three guys stood out. Uh, Rasul Douglas played great. You know, um, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eric Stokes played solid. He wasn't a superstar like a lot of people believe he was, but for a rookie stepping in and doing what he did, what, wow, what a pickup. That was a good first round pick. Um, Josh Myers didn't have the best PFF grade, but the fact that when he's healthy, he's the starting center, you can take a second round pick and plug them right into the, arguably the most, the second most important position on the offensive line. Um, it's kind of that same mentality, right? Uh, what what defenders are closest to the ball every single play? Well, um, you know the uh, the closest player to the ball on offense is actually center. They touch the ball every single play, just like the quarterback does. That's very very important. So um, anyway, I just thought that was worth mentioning, and I uh, just wanted to touch on that. I believe uh, just to give you an, uh, kind of an idea, Eric Stokes's grade was a sixty six point three last year. Like I said, um, quite a bit lower. Um, then, you know, Kenny Clark at 74.9, Adrian Amos at 74.7, and definitely, uh, Devondre Campbell at 85.8. But as a rookie stepping in for Jair Alexander, um, that's a pretty solid rookie season for sure. Um, so just thought that was worth mentioning. Now we're going to kind of shift gears here. 
and uh, move on to the uh, NFL news cycle. I wanted to touch on one uh, one thing really, uh, really thoroughly because I thought that it went by a lot of people, and that's the Kyler Murray situation. I'm bringing this up on a Packer podcast because culture is important. Like, I think we take for granted just what kind of culture has been established in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, if you look at Arizona, right, and you got Kyler Murray, he, he scrubbed his social media completely of the Arizona Cardinals, right? That's kind of the temper tantrum way of saying, okay, you guys don't want to give me what I want, that I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do anything to help you either, right? So a lot of people looked at it on the surface and thought, okay, he wants to be traded. Well then his, his agent released a statement, which I'm not going to bore you with the details because, my goodness, this thing looked like a dictionary. I don't know. And the fact that he spent that much time to write out that statement and still misspelt words is just beyond me. That's coming from a redneck from Kentucky that, like I said, speaks English on a third-grade level. That's uh, that's pretty rough, <laughs> but it's a bad look. But he comes out in that statement and essentially says he wants to be paid more, right? And a lot of people said, okay, this guy wants to be a top-paid quarterback, nothing to see here, blah, 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 blah. Pat McAfee pointed something out, and it went by a lot of people. And he had Peter Schrager on from Good Morning Football on his show, and everything kind of tied together for me, right? Arizona ownership, right, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals last year, you remember the, the story that came out where he refused to pay playoff bonuses to coaches, Okay, so just to kind of give you get you up to speed, NFL coaches, when you make the playoffs, both players and coaches typically get what they call playoff bonuses. It's extra money for playing, you know, making it to the playoffs. The players' playoff bonuses are 100% guaranteed. The coaches are not. It's just kind of a common agreement that, man, you make the playoffs, you get extra money. Evidently, Arizona's owner refused to pay their coaches. Now, whether he went on to pay them, I have no idea how it ended up. I just know that that was a story that kind of made headlines, that the Arizona owner was withholding playoff bonuses because the team lost in the playoffs, right? Kind of playing hardball there, right? So, okay, it is what it is, blah, blah, blah. So think about it. Your coaches had this bonus money withheld, fifteen to $30,000, whatever it was, right? Guess who Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's agent also represents? This is the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. He has the same exact agent as Kyler Murray. Think about that. It, I don't know, man. It, it could be a conspiracy. I don't know. But that's that's a heck of a uh, coincidence. I could totally see a situation where Cliff Kingsbury is complaining to his agent, like, this guy is withholding playoff bonuses from our coaching staff because we lost in the playoffs. And I could see, I could see the agent in Kingsbury using Kyler Murray's situation as a platform to go, you know what, we'll show him who's in charge. And then Murray blasts him right out in the public. And Peter Schrager pointed something out that's very important. Most of the time an agent, this is kind of behind the scenes of how things work, most of the time the agent will reach out to a Peter Schrager and go, hey, on Good Morning Football, why don't you point out that Kyler Murray is 24 years old, he's done this, this, and this as far as accolades, and he probably deserves the money. That's how they put pressure in the public eye on the owners. They didn't even do that. They went straight to the flamethrower. Put out a post on social media. He scrubs his social media, first of all, of all the Arizona Cardinals stuff, and then the agent drops a bomb and goes, you know what, we're hoping they do the right thing and give us our money. I don't know, man. It just seems like there's a little bit of a, a mutiny going on in Arizona. 
And that's what's so important about Green Bay, Wisconsin. The culture that's created there in the Packers organization is top notch. You never hear about these kind of, these mutinies, these things going on behind the scenes. You got the Aaron Rodgers situation, which he and the public eye never really bashed the front office. The front office never really bashed him. They took a couple of small shots, but nothing like this. Are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is the worst thing that could happen to an organization because it's decay from within. You know, something that I really, really appreciate about Matt LaFleur. You know, if you hear Aaron Rodgers talk about Matt LaFleur on the Pat McAfee show, he talks about how he has to kind of be the funny guy because Matt LaFleur is so serious sometimes, right? But yet, when you see Matt LaFleur in a press conference, like after the loss, what was his big message? Man, I am just gutted. I'm heartbroken for the guys in that locker room. These guys busted their tail. They did everything. You know, they, they worked so hard to get here, and I know they wanted to accomplish this together. And, and you know, it, it goes back to the old quote. You know, I had a coach tell me one time that there's strength in vulnerability. You know, we live in a society where it's easy to tweet mean things out, and it's easy to, to, to hide behind that steering wheel with your car doors locked and lay on the horn or ride somebody's tail, right? knowing that you're not going to walk up on somebody's heels on the sidewalk because you might lose a few teeth, right? That's the society we've created. And he said there's strength and vulnerability. People don't follow know-it-alls. People follow honesty. And I think Matt LaFleur has done a great job of creating a culture, an environment where the players care about one another, right? Yes, they want their money. Yes, they want to have input on the front office if you're Aaron Rodgers. All these things, every... Every human being has ego, guys. Nobody's perfect, right? But you've got to have someone who can hold that together, right? You've got to have someone who can uh, who can be a leader, and that doesn't mean being loud. You, let me show you what a loud, a loud, mouthy head coach will get you. Look at what happened in Minnesota. He's gone now. He just got fired. But that was the most vocal, tough guy, screaming, cussing, always had a child backer in. He wanted to... You know, we're going to toughen this this organization up. Okay, yeah, well, enjoy the next stop because you're out of here, right? There's strength and vulnerability. People don't follow know-it-alls. People follow honesty. And I think we've got an awesome culture and a coach that kind of personifies that in uh, in Matt LaFleur. You know, that's just something that I think, you know, like the old saying, the right attitude rarely produces the wrong action. When you control, I think there's a Chuck Noll quote, actually. If I remember correctly, Chuck Noll had had an awesome one. He said, on every team, I don't want to screw it up. I'm pretty sure it was, let me think. Yeah, it was on every team, there's a core group that sets the tone for everyone else, right? If the tone is positive, then you've won half the battle. If it's negative, you're beaten before you ever walk on the field. You've got to have that mouthpiece, that leader, that guy, that general who's going to who's going to control the locker room, who's going to control and keep a positive outlook on everything. When you hear Matt LaFleur talk sometimes, I've with my background and how I was raised, I find myself going, "God, he just he just seems weak sometimes." But yet he produces, right? It's because guys will not follow people that they don't trust it's all about trust it's all about trust and uh, i think that's something that's uh it's very very important and you know another thing is they say uh you know when you're when you're building a team or a business or what have you you know you assemble the team tightly then hold the reins loosely and that's such a good quote you assemble the team tightly 
but hold the reins loosely. It means you do the work on the front side going, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is our goal. We're not going to negotiate. We're going to put in the work. We're going to do everything we can to be great. And then when it comes time to turn it all loose, you step away. Another thing you do is when you lose, right? When you, when, when, when you're dealt with a loss, you stand in the front when there's adversity. But when there's victory, you step back and you allow other people to take credit for that. What did we just see happen? We just seen Aaron Rodgers accept his second consecutive MVP award. And guess who didn't win coach of the year, which still baffles me? Matt LaFleur. And what did Aaron do? He stood on that stage and said, you were a big part of this. We did this together. I'm telling you, that's a leader. That's a leader of men. He's done it in an honest way. He was genuine. You know, uh, there was an old John Madden quote. He, he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, the most important thing is being yourself. You can't be fake. If you're fake, they're going to catch on to you being fake and you're done. Nobody's going to follow you if they think you're fake. I just think that coupled with, you know, the the aspect of true leaders absorb criticism and they redistribute the praise, I think that that's, uh, that's just leadership 101. It really is. And when you talk about Matt LaFleur, one thing that stands out to me is I found myself thinking <laughs> he comes across as weak sometimes. His very first training camp, I remember it being reported. You know how the, the uh, local beat riders and everything, they'll <clears throat> they'll actually tweet out updates from the training camp. So-and-so dropped another pass, or this one's three for four, and it's like none of these stats matter. We don't even know what they're trying to accomplish in that drill. But one thing did stand out to me. The guy quoted Matt LaFleur. He blew the whistle, stopped the training camp. Devontae Adams fumbled. And Matt LaFleur, think about it, this is your superstar wide receiver. Matt LaFleur blows the whistle, right? And they said he screamed at the top of his lungs, if you do not protect the football, you will not play for me. Lo and behold, who's been one of the best turnover differential teams in the entire league since Matt LaFleur took over? The Green Bay Packers. So um, that's my rant. That's the show, guys. Like I said, I wanted to give that little bit of NFL news, but tie it into the Green Bay Packers and how we should be appreciative, man. They're not perfect. There's things I look. I I use bad words on Sunday while watching them play too. Trust me, I'm not this this fan, this Packer fan that just sits around and and thinks about everything's perfect and we don't need to improve. But man, when you look across the landscape of the league at, at the Detroit Lions or the Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals were on this massive ascent, right? And now all of a sudden they're on the verge of crashing and burning. And it's all because of culture. And I think that uh, the Green Bay Packers have done a great job of creating a culture. They've always developed from within. Uh, Brian Gutekunst has been a long-time scout. Now he's in a general manager position. You know what that – not only does that feel good that he's Packer-raised, but it also tells the people behind him that, look, this organization will reward you if you put in the work and you get the results. That's culture. That's culture. Winning is a culture, and winning's always been a culture in Green Bay. That's why they call it Title Town, baby. So, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, if you need anything, hit me up on Twitter. And I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember the Twitter handle. It's a new Twitter handle. I think it's Packers, at Packers underscore access. And uh, obviously, hit up uh, hit up Ryan and the Packernet Podcast Twitter. Um, keep that blown up. He puts out the best stuff, man. He's he's probably the best Packer follow on Twitter. And also JJ Leahy does an excellent job, one of my favorite follows. But appreciate you guys' time. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, as always, go pack go.
Get it. And check this. President don't want to come watch us to the school.